All right, you ready to hear God's word this morning? That was me. Are you ready to hear God's word? So we are finishing up this series we've been in since January called Full Life. And in January, obviously, we talked about health. We looked at spiritual health and what it means to be spiritually healthy and, and the disciplines it takes to, to be healthy in our spirit. And then we spent three weeks talking about our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions and what it means to be healthy in our soul. We spent that last Sunday of January talking about our body, the fact that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit expects us to, to take care of our bodies. And so we talked about health in January. So in February, we turned our attention to full life in relationships. And so what we've done is we've unpacked this idea of what it means to be fully alive in our relationships. And we started out with the, with the foundational relationship, the most important relationship of all. How many of you know what the most important relationship of all is? Your relationship with Jesus, with God and, you know, his son, right? And so we talked about that the first week. Second week, we talked about loving yourself. And we, we said, you know, it's, it's, it's an expectation to love yourself. Why? Because God loves you, right? He sees worth and value in you. And you can see yourself the same way. It's not selfish to, be, to love yourself. Amen? Because it's only when you love yourself and see yourself as valuable that you can see other people as valuable and can love them. And so you see the progression. And then the last two weeks, we've been talking about what it means to to love others, our neighbors. And what we've done is we've used the great commandment as our foundational principle for building healthy relationships. And so what I want to do is I want to continue in that vein today. And we're going to read that again. We'll read uh, this Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 37. And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your and all your mind. And then it says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And then he says, and second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. A, a second is equal. So the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So you see how we can use that one important commandment that Jesus gave us to build great relationships. If we love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, that relationship's going to flourish. You know why? Because he already loves you. Amen? How many of you know he loves you? He proved it when he went to the cross. And so when you're returning that love to him, then there's a great relationship. Okay? So what I want to do today is I want to finalize this and bring it to a close by talking to you about couples. Now, maybe you're married. How many of you are married in here? Let me raise your hand. All right, so you're a couple. Anybody dating somebody in here that's single, but you're dating somebody? Okay, so I'm talking to couples today, and I want everybody that's, that's, that's in some kind of relationship romantically to lean into today's message because I think it's going to help you, okay? Now, last week we clarified that love really looks like how Paul described it in, in 1 Corinthians 13, right? It's the agape love of God. And we read that passage and we know that that's, that's what it, it looks like. And we said that the, the Bible is, it's always got to be our point of reference, right? When we're, when we're defining and describing what love is, the Bible is your point of reference, okay? So we talk about the love of Christ as the sacrificial, selfless love that we just sang about, right? Hallelujah, praise the one who... What did he do? He set us free, right? He loved us enough to go to the cross. That's the kind of love we're talking about. 
And one of the other things that we came to the conclusion of is that the Holy Spirit is he's the agent of love for you. He, it's impossible to really love like we're describing here without the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Everybody with me so far? So what I want to do is we're going to dive into this idea of healthy relationships as couples. So my question to you is, what does it look like to be, have a healthy, fully alive relationship as far as your marriage or, or couples? Okay? So here's some indicators. An indicator that your relationship is healthy is maybe you feel valued, you feel cared for, you feel loved. It's a safe place. And each of you is content in your, in, with who you are and you're growing toward maturity. That's an, that's an indicator of a healthy, thriving relationship. And so anybody ever been to the doctor lately? Anybody been to the doctor lately? What's the first thing they do when once they get in the, in the room? What do they do the first thing they do? They check your, your, check your vital signs, right? They'll do your blood pressure. They'll take you know, your temperature. They'll see your heart rate. Why do they, why do they assess those things? They want a, a baseline of how healthy you are, right? It's a, it's a general indicator of how healthy you are, okay? So if they notice your blood pressure's up, okay, there might be something wrong. Let's, let's explore that. Or if your temperature's up, there may be an infection. So it's a, it's a general gauge of how you're doing physically. It's a vital sign check. So what I want to do today is I want us to kind of do a healthy marriage vital sign check. Are you with me? So we're going to lean into some of these things, some vital signs of what a healthy marriage or a healthy couple or a relationship looks like. So here they are. Number one, if you're taking notes... One of the vital signs is that all feel safe to think for themselves. All feel safe to think for themselves. So in a healthy relationship, what we do is we encourage both parties to think on their own. The beauty of this is God created you that way. He created you from the very beginning of time with the ability to think and reason. Am I right? And so what, it, what a healthy relationship does, it brings an appreciation for that, that reality that you have the ability to think and reason for yourself. Somebody else doesn't have to think for you, in other words. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Okay, I, I'm, I don't think I had coffee this morning, so. so. So here's the other thing. We appreciate the value of the fact that that person may not always think the same way we do. All right? So you, you, you appreciate the value of how they think, but also that they think differently than you, than you. So here's a vital sign question. How are you creating a safe place for your spouse or your significant other to think for themselves? Good question to ask, right? Vital sign number two. All are encouraged to talk and know their words will be valued. So in a healthy relationship, you can rest assured that not only... Does the person want you to think for yourself, but they want you to speak up. Men, speak up, right? They're encouraging you to express yourself. And so here's what's important to that. So as you're looking at this idea of, of, of interacting and, and having conversation and you're encouraging the other person to speak up, what's your role? To listen. And not just, remember what we said a few weeks ago, not just to listen to respond, but do what? Listen to understand. Bring clarity to what they're saying. 
All right? So we're encouraging people to talk. We're encouraging them to express themselves. And then we're going to listen so that we can help them feel valued. All right? Now, typically, what I've discovered is, and even my own, uh, my own situation, my own experience is, you learn how to communicate from your family. Is that right? How you grew up, what you grew up watching is a lot of times what you grow up bringing into a, a, a situation or a relationship. So if your parents, for instance, if they, were, if, they, if they screamed and hollered at each other all the time, and that's all you saw, guess what? You learned that behavior, and chances are, what are you doing? Screaming and hollering. Or maybe your past is aggressive, and you, when you get angry or whatever, you, you shut down and you don't say anything, you don't express anything. And you bring that into the marriage. So what we have to do is we have to be aware that that's, how, that's what happens. We bring those things into our relationships and we have, to be a, we have to be committed to the idea of maybe I need to change the way I communicate. Right? Maybe I just need to say, you know what? I need some help. Here's the good news. The good news is you can break those cycles. With the Lord's help, for sure. And also just making yourself accountable to the person that you're in, in the relationship with. And tell them, it's my, it really is my heart to be able to communicate well. It's really, it's really in my heart for us to have a great relationship where we communicate and, and these ideas are expressed and valued. And so you ask yourself the question, you know, do I, do I really value this relationship enough to, to get better or maybe get out of our comfort zone? Guys, can I talk to you for a second? Y'all leaning in with me right here, okay? I get it. Sometimes we, we have a hard time of expressing ourselves. And the women are saying, yeah? Is that true? Am I off, off track there? So sometimes the, me and we have trouble expressing ourselves and, and really communicating. And so our wives or our, couple, our significant other says, hey, what's wrong here? So what, what the idea is, we've got to create a safe space. But guys, you've got to be able to go out of your comfort zone a little bit. Right? You've got to step out of that discomfort and, and open up. I know it's not easy, but you've got to do it. Why? Because here's the question. Do you value the relationship? If the answer is yes, then you're willing to, to get out of that comfort zone. Ladies, can I talk to you for a second? If he does that, if he takes that leap of faith and he gets out of his comfort zone and he begins to open up, don't shame him. Don't judge him when what he says. You know why? Because if you do, guess what? He's going to shut back down. He's going to clam up and it'll be really hard to get him open up again. Is that helping anybody today? So guys, here's your, here's your role. Step out. And begin to express yourself. Your wife wants to hear what's going on inside of you. Amen. Your wives, y'all gonna help me here? And then, guy, and then ladies, make sure you make it a safe space so that they can express themselves. Number three, all enjoy a sense of safety and value in sharing their feelings. And so feelings are tied to this. That these are closely related to that second one. You know, how are you feeling? Share with us how you're feeling. Again, if they share their feelings, if they really express what's going on the inside, it needs to be a safe space. So my question is, how safe do you feel sharing with your spouse or your, or your significant other? Number four, all are meaningfully connected. What's the best way of knowing you're connected? Anybody know? Any ideas? 
What about when you're able to share your deepest feelings? What about when you're enthusiastic about seeing each other at the end of the day? Like you're, you're driving down the road, coming home, and you're not dreading seeing your spouse. You're actually looking forward to it. Amen. And then you're, you're, you're willing to enjoy being together, doing things together. So we say the desire for connection is a basic human need. Would you agree? We want to feel connected. If we've learned anything over the last year, we know that connection is really important. But especially with your spouse. So what happens if there's a, a disconnect? A lot of times, addictions happen out of disconnection. There's a need there. There's a need there for connection. Instead of feeling it the healthy way, they'll, they'll do something different. They'll, you know, alcohol or drugs or uh, food or another person of some kind or even, even pornography. Those are ways of, of us dealing with, the, with the, the lack of connection. And what does that do? Causes very terrible issues in a, in a relationship. I tell you something else that can sabotage connect, uh, connection is unresolved anger. Not dealing with the things that have been going on in your life over history. And some of you, you've never dealt with any of your anger, and so it's like a I man. You're like a powder keg. You know, you explode, and then you have to apologize, and then what happens? You know, sooner or later, and then anybody been in that cycle? You have to deal with those things, right? you got to let the Holy Spirit dive down deep into your heart and let, he, let him deal with this unresolved anger. So the question is, how can we build better connection with others? Well, just doing stuff together. Shared experiences can help you with your connection. Intimate conversations, meaningful touch. But I would say that probably the best thing is a shared crisis. Right? When you walk through hard times together, it tends to draw you closer together, doesn't it? Because when, you, when you're on the other end of it, you're like, you know, we, we did this. We made it. We, we worked this out together. And so there's a connection there because you had a shared crisis. Number five, the personal property lines are well respected. In other words, you know you have clear boundaries. All right? Boundaries are really important. How many of you agree boundaries are really important? Not just in marriage, but in relationships in general. And so some of you may have this, this concept or image of boundaries being a bad thing. Like when I do a boundary, I'm keeping people out. That's not what boundaries are at all, right? They're actually keeping things inside and keeping your relationships nice and, and together. That's what boundaries do. And so I want to tell you about four realities of boundaries. Number one responsibility. So if you think about responsibility in this culture that we live in, can I tell you, I believe that, that this is one of those things that we're lacking a little bit. Would you agree? How many of you ever had somebody, there's something, something happened, maybe in the office or even in other places. And there's, there's this, Oh, it was his fault. No, it was his fault. No, it was her fault. And there's the blame game. Anybody ever been a part of the blame game? I have been more than I care to, to admit and so this idea of boundaries has to deal with responsibilities. And so you have to understand that you have to take responsibility for yourself. 
You have to make your own decisions. You have to be, like we said a few weeks ago, comfortable in your own skin so that you, you can have a great relationship. And so responsibility involves you owning that, that I'm responsible for my decisions, the things that I choose to do. Okay? Responsibility involves taking action. When I'm when I understand that I'm responsible, then I've got to take some action. I need to understand. I need to do an inventory. Remember the vital sign check? I need to do an inventory of my attitude. I need to do an inventory of my behaviors, the things that I'm engaging in. Why? Because once I understand and have an awareness of something, then I can change it. And how many of you know you can't change somebody else? You can only change yourself. And so I have to be realistic about where I am. And I must participate in, the, in a resolution. If there's an issue, i got to own that I may be part of the problem. Is that not hard to do sometimes? Because we always, here's what we do. We want to look at other people's flaws. We want to see their flaws and say, oh, that's, that's the reason. No, get a mirror if you have to. And look in that mirror and say, Lance Turner has to take responsibility for Lance Turner's actions. Is this helping anybody today? I feel like you guys are like are either asleep or you're just engaged in listening to me. Which is it? Okay, I hope so. I hope so. And so we need to understand that we, we work through our feelings. I hear this all the time. You know, listen, um, you know, my spouse acts this way and it stresses me out. Or I got mad because of what you made me mad. They can't make you mad. No one can make you mad, Right. They can choose, you can choose to be mad. You, you respond to what people do to you, but you made the choice. Your attitude is a choice. And you understand that responsibility was something that God gave us from the very beginning of time. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, you remember the scenario. God creates Adam and Eve. And he begins right away to give them responsibility, right? He tells them. You know, have dominion, rule over the earth. That's, that, was his, that was his speech to them. You take responsibility for the planet that I'm putting you on. You realize that, right? And then he gave them a choice, and they, they made a bad choice. Amen? But what did they do? What did that, what's the first thing Eve did? Shucking responsibility. Uh, the enemy, the serpent made me do it. And then he said, what happened, Adam? Well, Eve gave it to me. Listen, you have to take responsibility. And God has given us this power to not only take responsibility for our bad actions, but he's empowered us to live a good life. Amen? He's empowered you to live the full life he wants you to live. And it's all based on your choices and taking responsibility. And so God has empowered you with that, that reality. He's empowered you to, to take responsibility for loving somebody else the way he modeled it, right? A, a wonderful life of love. This is what he, he wants us to do, amen? He wants us to encounter this full life in Christ. And so this boundary idea, this idea of taking responsibility has not changed since the beginning of time. And so what we do is we avoid playing the victim. We avoid... Making the spouse's problems our own. And what we do is we make a, a, a pact. We, make an, a, a, we take responsibility and the process becomes where we own the problem ourselves. Number two, freedom. How many of you know God came to set you free this morning? 
Is anybody free this morning? This is what God had in mind from the very beginning of time. When he created Adam and Eve, he created them for freedom. What happened? What happened? Sin happened. And because of sin, each of us has a, a propensity to becoming enslaved to something. And God has never intended you to be enslaved to anything. Amen. And so he designed you with this freedom of choice to respond to life, to respond to other people, to respond to God. And what he did, he gave us that opportunity and we messed it up. And because of that, we're enslaved. We've been we're enslaved to sin, self-centeredness, addictions, all those things. But can I tell you this morning, you don't have to stay that way. God has come to set you free. Amen. And so we, when we have boundaries, we realize that we, have, we can be free. Even though we've been dead in our trespasses and our sins, because of what Christ did at the cross, we can be free. Here's how Paul said it in Galatians 5. He says, for it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Listen, folks, when you allow yourself to be enslaved by anything, you know what you're doing? You're discounting the power of the cross. Because he came to set you free. Amen. So you know what you're doing? You're making a choice at that point to, still, to continue to be enslaved. You can't blame it on anybody else. I know this isn't fun preaching, folks, but this is important for us to get that, that freedom is, is in our realm of possibility. Amen. It's for, for freedom that Christ sets you free. So we take responsibility for that, for the idea of being free. And here's what happens. Something happens. Something incredible happens when, when freedom and responsibility and then when love comes together. Those three come together. It makes for a perfect formula for great relationships. When you understand that you take responsibility for your own actions, your own behavior, your own attitude. When you understand that you're free to make choices and, and that you, you're not enslaved to anything. And as a matter of fact, you're free to love. Amen. And then that you understand that this love that we're talking about is, is that, that, that ingredient, that third ingredient that makes a relationship amazing. And if you'll continue to, to pour into and invest in, okay, I'm responsible. Let me make responsible choices. And you continue to say, okay, I'm free. I'm free to, I'm free to love and I'm choosing to love. And then I, I love the way that God tells me to love, you know, that, that sacrificial, selfless love of God. Then it becomes a cycle. Where the relationship continues to grow and grow and grow. And pretty soon, you look over it and you say, you know, you've been married 20, 30 years. And you're like, you know what? I love her or him more than I ever have. Can anybody else say that? I can say that. I can honestly say that about my wife. 25 years almost of marriage that I love her more today than I ever have. Why is that? Because we've made this commitment. I have to take commitment to being responsible for my own behavior. I have to make a commitment to stay free so that I can love my wife the way that she needs to be loved. Amen. So love is that third component. So number four here, and we're almost done. Boundaries are about self-control. Now, if you think about self-control, I know sometimes that word gets a, gets a bad rap, you know, and it's almost like that we, we look at it negatively, right? Why should we look at that word negatively? 
It's actually positive because what it does, again, it gives us freedom to make choices or, not, or, or say no to some things. Amen? So this idea of, of boundaries help us to say no to things because we have self-control. Some people are against them because they see them as selfish. They see boundaries as selfish or they use boundaries for selfish means. And so we see, we, we look at boundaries wrong. And so here what I would tell you. Remember we said that it takes the Holy Spirit to love. Last week we said he's, his, his love for us is what gives us the ability. To, his, the Holy Spirit empowers us to love somebody else. And I would say to you, the Holy Spirit gives you power and have self-control. How do I know that? Well, Galatians 5 is very clear. Let's read that together. Galatians 5, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces what? This kind of fruit in us. What's the very first one? Love. So the Holy Spirit produces love in us. He produces joy in us and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And notice the last one. What is it? Self-control. And so if you want to have self-control, guess what? You need the Holy Spirit. You need his help to have self-control. And so that would be my, 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 my challenge to you today is to say, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Help me. Every morning, pray it. Give me the ability this morning to set boundaries, to say no, to have self-control. Because again, if somebody trespasses against your boundaries or in some way violates, then you can say, you know what? I'm not going to let them hurt me anymore. Some of you have been in cycles where you let you listen to me, listen to your pastor, where you were a doormat. Got quiet. You don't have to be a doormat. Because of self-control, because you have the freedom and you take responsibility, you do not have to be a doormat. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying that you, you have to, you're going to buck everything somebody tells you or your, your spouse tells you. But you do not have to be somebody that's walked over all the time. And you can take control of that. You can have self-control. You can set boundaries. Let me give you an example here. So, Because I believe that words, one of, one of the boundaries that we can set are with our words, right? So let's say somebody's uh, just giving you, I mean, they're just totally speaking to you negatively and they're harsh do you have to put up with that no you don't you can say you know what if you're going to talk to me like that i'm walking out of the room instead of saying you can't talk to me like that because when you say you can't talk to me that's not something you can control you can't control what they're saying but you can control how you respond to what they're saying does that make sense it's so funny, my wife, um, she's, I didn't tell her I was going to share this, but she's a nurse. Everybody knows she's a nurse, right? And so she deals with surgeons all the time. Now, surgeons are great. Don't get me wrong. They, they bring healing, right? But some of them sometimes, they think they're great. Can I say it in a polite way? And so I've heard her on the phone at home, and I'm, I'm sitting there on the, at, the, at the table with her, and she picks up the phone. The phone rings. She picks it up. And then I can hear it, man. This, this doctor, this surgeon is giving her down the road. Does she have to put up with that? And some of the words he was using, too. I heard them. She's like, and here's what she said. I don't have to listen to this. She hung up on him. 
perfect example of a word boundary. Listen, you don't have to put up with that kind of stuff. If, they're, if it's abusive and they're being nasty and ugly toward you, you can put a stop to that. You do not have to put up with being a doormat. Amen. Did I get my point across? I hope I have. But self-control leads you not to, to, to fire back, right? Or, or give those words back to them. No, you just say, listen, I'm not, I don't have to listen to this. I'm going to walk out. Or I'm going to hang up the phone, right? So this, I hope this is helping somebody today because some of you, you feel trapped. You feel like that, you know, I, I, somebody's got a hold of me and I can't, you know, they own me. You don't have to be owned. Set the boundaries. Amen. Take responsibility. You have freedom. Amen. So responsibility, freedom, love, self-control. And so as we close this, I want to just help make this as practical as possible as we close this out. First of all, you need to assess where you are in your relationship right now. Maybe even use those vital signs we talked about earlier to assess where you are. Can I tell you, you need to be brutally honest. Amen? Why? Why do you need to be honest? Because if you're not honest, you can't change it. If you're not willing to face the reality, nothing's going to change. And so face the reality of where you are. Don't wallow in it. Don't get mad over it. Just say, you know what? This is where we are. Sit down with your spouse and say, here's where we are right now. But you don't have to stay that way. That's the beauty of this. And so number one, assess and evaluate where you are. Face the reality. Number two, work together. Come up with a plan of action together. I think that could bring some cooperation, right? Number three, set the boundaries. Be clear on the boundaries. And we've already mentioned one, words, and we know how powerful they are. Scripture says that the power of life and death is in the tongue, right? So the words we say have weight and power. And so you can use your words to create a boundary. Because when you're able to express yourself, then people know who you are. They understand who you are from the inside out. Okay? Number two, truth. Truth is a boundary, right? So if we're, if we're always dealing in what we wish would happen or even some of us are willing to believe a lie. Because you know why I think we, believe, we do that? Because we're comfortable with our mess. Anybody been comfortable with your mess before? My hands are going up. It's all we know. Some of us, it's all we know is our mess. The hurts, the hangups, the baggage. That's all we know. And so we're, we're holding on to it because that's all we know. When God is saying, listen, there's so much more for you. There's so much better for you. If you'll just release that. Amen. So set the boundaries. Deal in truth. Okay. Why should we deal in truth? We should always, always be in a pursuit of truth. Can I tell you this? That when you are in a pursuit of truth, you're really in pursuit of a person. Who's the person? Jesus. Because he said it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So... This is the beauty of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you deal with him, listen to me, you're always, 
You're always dealing in truth when you deal with Jesus. Amen? And so if he's in the mix, you will be in truth. And you'll pursue it to the full. Remember, 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love celebrates when the truth wins out. Amen? Go read it. Love rejoices when the truth wins out. Because here's what has to happen. Both of you have to accept the responsibility for where you are right now. It may not be 50-50. Right? It may be 70-30 or 60-40. But you played some part in where your relationship is right now. No, pastor. You don't know who I live with. Folks, remember, you take responsibility. Remember, we're dealing in truth, right? We all have blind spots. Things we don't realize how we come across or how we say things. Listen, deal in truth and understand that you're playing, you've played a part in where your relationship is right now. And if you'll own that responsibility, there's hope for you. Amen? So here's, can I tell you that if you'll value the relationship, if you'll look, remember, what, what, what's our point of reference for love? The scriptures. And so if my lens that I'm looking at my spouse or my significant other through is the lens of love, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to understand that, that even though they snore, that even though they might have some flaws, I still love them. Why? Because I'm looking through the lens of love. Guess what? That's how Jesus looks at you. Come on, somebody. If Jesus didn't look at you through the lens of love, you're in trouble. Amen. And so this is how we do. We, we use the Bible as our point of reference. We know what it says about love. And so I look at my spouse through the lens of love despite the flaws. Because here's the reality. I'm flawed too. Turn to your neighbor and say you're flawed. Don't tell them that. I'm just kidding. How many of you believe you're flawed? You're on the right track. Some of you didn't raise your hand. I want to pray for you. So take the responsibility. Take your part in the responsibility of making sure the marriage or the relationship is going in the right direction. And can I give you some advice? Don't, control, don't try to control the other person. Take control of yourself. Number two, commit to having a dialogue. Sit down and talk. We've already talked about creating a safe space for talking. And then here's another question. Can you see your spouse or your significant other as uniquely created with a specific personality type and a unique set of giftings? Can you, can you picture them that way? Because that's true. God has uniquely given them the personality that they have. That's why sometimes I know, I, it, and, okay, she's going to forgive me. I know she will. It drives me crazy because sometimes Lori will say, I wish I wasn't, you know, this way. And if you know Lori, she's like a clean freak and, and all that kind of stuff. And I know that all those things in extremes can be very negative, And that's why, I, you know, I don't want her to ever get there. But, but she'll say, I wish I wasn't created. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Do not say that. Why? God created her that way. 
If everybody was like me, we'd all have some fun and we would love each other, but we'd never get anything done. We need the lorries in our lives. Amen. And so never, ever, never, ever try to change your partner that God wired them a certain way. He gave them a personality type. He gave them a leaning. He gave them giftings. Don't just don't not don't try to change them. Actually celebrate how God's created them. Amen. And when you do. You can even begin to see the picture that God's painting in your marriage. The beauty of, of mine and Lori's marriage is we're not alike. If we were both like her, I don't know. If they're both like me, we probably would never get anything done. The house would be a wreck. I don't know. Are you following me this morning? Are you with me? Celebrate the differences, the, the unique giftings and, and personality type in your spouse. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. Lord, help me to see and love my spouse the way you see and love them. Would that change anything? If you committed to praying that prayer every morning, guess what's going to happen? God's going to answer that prayer, and you're going to see them the way he sees them. You're going to see them as having worth and value. You're going to see them with, as a unique gifting, a unique gifting to you. Let me love them and see them the way you do. Here's some questions. Can you overlook an offense? Are you committed to using your words to heal rather than bring hurt? Are you committed to truth? As you're assessing your relationship, you need to ask yourself those questions. Because really what needs to happen here is you need to understand that God created you unique with giftings and talents. And he created your spouse unique with gifted and talents. And when the two are married together, it's a beautiful relationship. And when you understand what the golden rule says, anybody know what the golden rule says? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. When you're setting boundaries, you're doing that in reverse. You know what you're saying? I want you to, I need you to treat me like I'm supposed to be treated. Is that what not boundaries do? And you've committed yourself to treating them well. And all you're doing is expecting it in return. Does that make sense? It's the beauty of this thing. You, like I said earlier, I keep, I keep saying it over and over again, but you have this right, you have this ability to set those boundaries. In closing, how many times have I said that? Pastor, how many times are you going to close this thing? <laughs> I promise you almost done. So when we build our relationships on the great commandment, can I tell you that's a foundation that will not fail? It won't. If you build your, your relationship on these truths that we've been talking about over the last four weeks, you, I promise you, you will have a flourishing, fully alive relationship. 
So here they are. Remember the key components. Number one, you have to believe that God loves you. How many of you believe that? How many of you say, not only do I believe it, but I receive his love? Amen. Come on. Number two, you respond to that love by loving him back. Amen. And walking in obedience. That's that second part. Remember what he said? If you love me, you'll obey me. Right? The, the, the indicator of the true love, the love that we have for Christ is our willingness to obey. Come on. Here's the next component. You can't love your neighbor until you love yourself. You value and invest in yourself so you can value and invest in others. Remember, you invest in what you value. So let me ask you a question. Do you love yourself? Should you love yourself? Why, listen, why would you not love yourself if God loves you? Amen. Amen. Thirdly, you love others. Remember the components. You love God. You love yourself. You love others. Here's how you do it. You create safe spaces for relationships to be cultivated. You communicate well, and you create boundaries. Would you stand? I have one question to ask you before we close. This message, very practical, right? What are you going to do to build your life, your relationships on the great commandment? I've given you some components. So the question is now, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to live that out? Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.